super excited. The, so we're, we're talking about this, the topic of evangelism today, and I kind of wanted to start with a little bit of a story. So if you can kind of follow me here, it's late December. It's actually December 30 of 2018, December 30 of 2018, and it's about midnight, and I just, I'm just driving home from my friend's house. We were hanging out, and this is one of the last times we're hanging out before we all, you know, go across wherever we're going to college, and this is me and my closest friends. We're hanging out, and as I'm driving home, it's kind of snowy. It's dark. It's all, all of those things. I'm driving home. All of a sudden, I see a car with its flashers on on the other side of the road, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, he's just prompts something in my heart, and he says, why don't you stop for him? And I was a little bit nervous. I was like, ah, what, Lord, are you serious? I mean, like, it's late. I'm 18. Like, I don't know who this guy is or this girl is. Like, it's going to be really weird coming up to somebody at a random, you know, like that midnight hour and just knocking on their, what, what am I going to do? Like, that doesn't make much sense. And so I keep driving. But as I keep driving, the, the feeling just keeps getting more intense and more intense and more intense. And finally, I'm like, all right, Lord, I, okay. And so I whip my car around, and I pull up behind this guy, and I walk up to the window, and I just introduce myself. I say, hey, my name is Jared, and I was just driving, and I felt like God pointed me out, like, do you need help with anything? Turns out he's, he just ran out of coolant in his car, and so he needed me to go, go drive him to the gas station. And on the way to the gas station, this guy starts opening up about his life. And he's just saying how, man, this, this situation is kind of like representative of how my life is going. It's kind of in shambles and like all of these different things. And he's talking about all these life events that are happening, and it's just unfortunate life events that are happening. And in, in the car, as we're driving back, I get the opportunity just to testify to what the Lord has done in my life. I, I was 18 at the time. I didn't know how to deliver this awesome message of the gospel. I didn't know how to do any of those things. The only thing that I had, the only tangible piece that I could offer this guy was the truth and nothing but the truth and what I've seen and heard from Jesus myself. That was, that was all I had to offer and I think today, as we think and we talk about this idea of evangelism, that is, that is all that God is asking us to offer. That's all he's asking us, is to, is to bring the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, when we testify, like we're talked about in, in the area of evangelism, sometimes we're talked about as witnesses, witnesses. And if we think about that term in a court of law, like the witness, they come up and they're sworn into office, right? And they promise, they say, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then all the witness does, that the only thing they're responsible for is to testify to what they've seen and heard. That's the only thing they're responsible for. And I think today, when we, I view the idea of evangelism, sometimes it can be like this daunting tasks that I have to go out and oh man I'm so nervous but when we really simple it down we boil it down to this I know the truth I know that Jesus is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by him I'm not going to water down the gospel I'm going to preach the whole message I'm going to preach that their sin separates us from God but then I'm also going to preach that his grace is sufficient for us I'm going to preach the whole entirety of the gospel and then 
we just testify to what we've seen and heard. What has God done in my life? What is, how has he saved me from death to life? How has he translated me, as the Apostle Paul says, as, how has he translated me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the son of his love? And so I'm, I'm driving in this car, and that's all I have to offer this guy is the truth as, and nothing but the truth in my personal story. And so we pull up back next to his car. He's got his coolant, and we sit in that car for about 30 minutes and just talking about the way of Jesus and talking about, he's saying, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I feel like I don't have any purpose. And I say, why don't you give your life to Jesus? Because if you give it to him, he'll be able to take you places you'll never thought that you've been able to go. If you don't know where your life is headed, he does. And he wants to speak to you about that. He wants to, he's open and available for relationship with you. You're not too far gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. Like his, he died a painful death for you to walk in the freedom and the fullness of Jesus, to walk in relationship with God. And right there in the car at about 1.30 in the morning in Granville, Michigan, this guy gave his life to the Lord in my car and he decided to follow Jesus. And it's been a discipleship, discipleship process there, and I've a little bit lost contact with him. I don't really know where he's at right now, but for a while, me and him were serving at our youth group together, and we were leading other young, young people into like the things of God. And where did that all stem from? It all stemmed from me driving in the Holy Spirit just saying, psst, hey, Jared, that one. What, that one right there. And I didn't know what I was going to say. I had no idea. I was nervous. I was really nervous out of my mind, right? But I just took one little step at a time. I said, okay, Lord, okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay, okay, I'll walk up to the car. Okay, okay I'll ask him if he needs anything. And then in that moment, when we give just our little simple yes, like literally eternities can be changed just by that simple, simple yes. It doesn't have to be so this like bold, like I followed the Lord so wholeheartedly and I was 100% confident and I was so full of faith. Like, that was not me at that time. That was, you know, I was like, I was like, Lord, oh, why does this always happen to me? You know, like, and then going, going up to this person, but God took that and he said, you know what? I can empower that by my spirit and I can pour the grace on his life that he needs in order to go. I've heard it said that God is not waiting for us to be ready He's not waiting for us to be more qualified. He's waiting for us to be willing. And if we're willing, then Jesus will make us qualified. His spirit will give us everything that we need. So evangelism. Evangelism is simply talking about the one that you love. That's all it is. It's talking about the one that you love. And there's all throughout scripture, we see this played out where Jesus was so secure in his identity before the Father, and that is what freed him up to pour himself out to all these other people. I think of Matthew 3, when Jesus, it comes to John the Baptist, and everyone is looking to the Messiah. They're looking, and they're looking for the Messiah, and, Jesus, and John the Baptist looks as this man comes walking by the Jordan River, and he says, behold, the man of God, or the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And he gets baptized, and John himself is feeling unqualified in that moment. He says, who am I? I? You should be baptizing me, but now you're asking me to baptize you? And Jesus says, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. Before Jesus had done anything, he'd, before he'd done one miracle, he approaches John, 
in the waters of the Jordan. And as he goes down, he comes up. And as he comes up, the heavens open and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove and he, everyone hears these words, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And to be honest for me, that's, that's a hard picture. Because Jesus hadn't done anything for God yet. That's recorded in Scripture. He hadn't, he hadn't gone to heal a paralytic. He hadn't gone to open blind eyes. He hadn't even approached the cross yet. He hadn't even stepped into the fullness of his destiny to why God set him on the earth yet. And the father looked down on him and said, this right now, not in the future, right now is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And I believe that it was that assurance, that security in his identity that, that freed him up to walk and to live his life outwardly, to live his life in a way that pointed people to God, to live a life of evangelism. And we see this kind of played out even in Luke 5. Luke 5 verse 16 you see this heart connection that Jesus carries and how he was so set on his relationship with the Father. And he just knew, Jesus knew that, man, if I was going to do everything that God was calling me to do, if I was going to minister to the multitudes, if I was going to do any of these things, I have to be so totally 100% secure in my relationship before the Father. I have to be secure in that. This is what, this is kind of, a window into that conviction that Jesus carried. So Jesus, just in Mark, Luke 5, Luke 5, verse 12 through 16, Jesus just cleanses a leper. So he just does this amazing miracle. Like this man had a skin disease, and a, a leper literally in that time period would have been so shunned from society. He was the outcast of the outcasts. Literally, when somebody, when a leper would enter into the camp of the Israelites, everyone would shout, unclean, unclean, and they would point at him. And a lot of times he would be driven out and sometimes even like stoned out, like out of the camp in order to get away because they didn't want the disease to spread. This person was so untouchable. And Jesus goes to the one who's seemingly untouchable and he touches him. And he's healed. And it causes this huge uproar. Right? In verse 14 and 15, Jesus, he wasn't looking for that public recognition. He cared about the individual. And in verse 14 of Luke 5, he says, and he charged him, Jesus, he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. But I think as this leper, I think as many of us, man, if I had just been healed from a skin disease where literally it drove me out of my camp and I couldn't come near to anybody and all of a sudden I was freed and released, I'd have a tough time not telling everybody. Plus at the same time, like he's this man's walking, you know, day to day, buying bread, you know, doing all these things in the market and everyone's like, wait, is that, is that? No, no way. That's, that's the guy who had leprosy. He's, his skin is clean. What happened to you, Right? 
And in verse 15, we see this man. He couldn't hold it within himself. He couldn't withhold it in himself. Verse 15, it says, However, the report went around concerning Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Like, this, this would be like, this would be the mountaintop experience of us as a believer. Like, imagine, let's put ourselves in that, in that scene. Like, I follow the Lord. I take a step of faith, and I feel like the Lord's calling me to pray for somebody. Maybe who's in a wheelchair. And I feel like the Lord's calling me to do that. And so, oh, man, I wrestle a little bit, and then, okay, I go. And I take that step of faith. And as I pray, all of a sudden, this person starts wiggling their toes. And then their knees start to shake a little bit. And then you say, would you like to stand and you help them up out of that wheelchair. And then they start jumping and dancing and they doing all of these things. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then that person goes and tells literally their whole family. And they go and tell their family, goes and tells all their friends. And then pretty soon that next Sunday, you're welcomed into a church. And you, everybody, they bring these, all the multitude, all the friends, all the family, all the family friends. They're all in this room, all together. And they're waiting on you. And they're saying, would you pray for us too that we may be healed? Like, that would be, like, mountaintop experience for me. I'd be like, that man, that's, like, I think a lot of times what we would call revival, right? That's a lot of times what we would call revival. And Jesus' response to this is so countercultural. It's so countercultural. And it shows his need for heart connection with the Father. So, verse 16 of Luke 5 says, The multitudes came to him and to be healed by their infirmities, so, or other translations, they say because of this fact, because the multitudes gathered, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. Like the multitudes were gathered. There was such like an amazing opportunity for him to do things for God. Yet he was so convicted that he needed to have a heart connection with the Father himself. That he said, I can never do enough good things for God that could replace my time spent with God. I can never do it. Jesus' heart was so set on not missing relationship with God in doing all the things for God. And as we talk about evangelism, this might be a little bit different than where maybe I thought we were going, you thought we were going, but I want us as a, as a body of Christ as a family, I want us to be centered on this idea that, man, relationship with God is first and foremost. It is. God is not looking for more performers on the earth. He's not looking for more people that can go and do all of these different things or even be used in some of these spiritual gift ways. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for people who love him and then love others well. I think of Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, where one of the teachers of the law approaches Jesus, and he basically is hoping to stump Jesus. And he says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? He's like, I got him. That's it. I always going to pinpoint one. If he chooses one, then I'm going to bring up another one. And then everyone's just going to see that man he doesn't really know. And he says, Jesus responds, and as he does, often leaves everybody in awe and wonder. And he says, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
and to love others as, a, as you love yourself. To love God, to love God, and to let him be lo- love you. And then from that place of security in our identity, just like Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then from that moment forward, he started walking in the power of God and in the preaching and all of his public works start coming to the surface, right? We are secure in our identity before the Father. We're so closely tied with him that we're so filled up that we can pour out to others from that place. We're self-poured out. In this, in this vein, in this avenue, this happened to me re- uh, probably about a month ago, about a month ago. I was praying in, on my university campus. Me and my friends, we did an evangelism outreach on our university campus every Wednesday. And so we would go out for like an, about an hour every Wednesday and just share the gospel with people and pray for people and just give the spirit opportunity to lead us and guide us into different places. And man, the Lord, it's just amazing what, what God could do in 45 minutes, one time a week, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon. Like when you just made yourself available, it was just crazy the amounts of things that happened. And so one of those times I was up, we were praying upstairs before we were sent to go out and the people who were leading the evangelism outreach, they said, you know what? I feel like we're supposed to stay a little bit longer today. Because I, like, I feel like God has something for us before we go out. And so we're starting to pray, and I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm on my knees in this room, and I, I start praying and start crying out. And all of a sudden, the Lord just reminds me of the place where I've been. He reminds me of how he saved me. He reminds me of the deep darkness that I was in before I knew Jesus, of all the depression and all the perversion that I was walking in and all of the the ways I was trying to find fulfillment and all these other avenues, but leaving purposeless. And I would literally go days at a time and ask myself, like, I felt, I knew life was happening, but I didn't feel like I was living it. And I, I was just so, lacked so much vision. And I was being reminded of this the the place where God had taken me from and how he had translated me from that dark place and now to the relationship and the fullness of God that I have with him. And I was getting so joyful. I was getting so joyful in this little prayer closet on our campus. I was getting so joyful. I I was down and I literally just could not hold it in. I could not hold it in. I could not hold it in. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he showed me this picture we were praying right above a dining hall at my university's campus, and it was around lunchtime. And he showed me a picture of me standing on a chair in the dining hall and basically saying out loud everything that I just prayed to God and just testifying about what he's done in my life. And I was like, all right, let's go. I was feeling unusually confident. And I was like, okay, let's go. So I walk down, I sit down and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, like when's a good time to go? When's a good time to go? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And as I look, I see people starting leaving just like they're done. And I get gripped with this. Wow. Like there's people that are leaving. I don't want them to miss this. I didn't want them to miss this. And so I stood up on the chair and just like got everybody's attention. I just shared my testimony. That was it. Just like what, what happened before I knew Jesus? What, how did I meet Jesus? And now what's happening after? 
That's literally all I shared. And I, it was so crazy. The Lord just like filled me with so much joy as I was speaking. I literally, I was looking at all these people and I didn't even know, I didn't know most of them. And I was like, I feel like I just, he saved me from death to life. He saved me from depression and brought me into joy. He did all of these things and I'm just sharing all of this. And at the end of it, I say, you know, and I'm gonna be sitting here at this table for the next 15 minutes. And if, you, if this resonates with you at all, if you wanna have a deeper conversation, come over and talk to me. And so I get down off the chair and one person, one person after about five minutes comes over and she basically was saying, she was going through a really tough time, like a really big struggle with the Lord at that time. And she was teeter-tottering on like, man, I don't know if I wanna continue like following God. And in that moment, she got connected with us, and two weeks later, she shows up to our worship gathering at our, on our university's campus, and she gives her life to Jesus, and she's walking now in, like, relationship with God, and it's just crazy. Like, when I met her that first day, when I was sitting across the table from her, and now when I look at her now, it's, it's literally night and day difference. Like, she was, like, you know, kind of shy and, like, shy and nervous and not really... And now she's like filled with so much boldness and she's just filled with like this security of like who she is in Christ. And it's just, it's wild. Like what, and when I sit here, I'm like, wow, Lord, like you have done a work in my life and me sharing that work with other people is allowing other people, is allowing you to work in their life as well. And that, and I was telling my, one of my buddies this story the other day, and he goes, and I, I basically said to him, it took three to five minutes of intense discomfort. Three to five minutes, that's what it cost me. It cost my reputation, that's what it cost. But three to five minutes of intense discomfort for me. But what is three to five minutes of intense discomfort in light of eternity? And this one girl who is walking and not knowing about the fullness of relationship with God is now stepping and taking consistent steps into relationship with Jesus. Like, and throughout all of my evangelistic experience and through all of it, there's really two things. The first one we already touched on is that, man, evangelism flows from intimacy with God. It flows from intimacy with God. Man, I was in that prayer closet and I was, man, I was filled with so much joy and I was being encountered by the Lord myself and I was feeling his presence and then from that place, I got to go authentically share that with other people. Evangelism flows from intimacy with Jesus. Number two is that the chance of success is worth the risk of embarrassment. That's what I've learned is the chance of success is worth the risk of embarrassment. Because there's been other times in my life, in my evangelist experience, where I felt like God was calling me to go. And, oh man, this is funny. But <laughs> one time I was a sophomore in high school and I was at a worship gathering and I felt like there was a couple up front that the Lord really wanted me to pray for. There was, we were singing a song about the miracles of God. And I feel like God wanted to do a miracle in their life. And I feel like the specific word that God had given my heart, on my heart was that they had been struggling to have a child and that the Lord was going to like heal them in that avenue. And so 
I walked up, and man, I was nervous to no end, you know, like, I'm just this little 16-year-old, these are adults, you know, like, all these different things, and so I walk up, and basically, I share, and I say, you know, hey, I just explained everything, I feel like God wants to do a miracle in your life, and are, are you guys struggling, like, to have kids, that's just kind of what I felt on my heart, like, to ask you guys, and they both kind of give, like, they both got to look at each other a little bit, and then they're like, we have three healthy kids, and they're at home with a babysitter, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was, you know, that was really wrong, and I, you know, I was a little bit embarrassed at that time, but even in that avenue, I said, well, do you mind if I pray for your kids then, and they said, sure, and so we, both, we all just agreed and prayed for their kids, and so it turned into something, you know, still good, but at the same time, like, when I think back on that experience, even though that was a pretty embarrassing experience for me, like, the chance of that being 100% right on and them actually being encountered and then able to have children from that point on, like that was worth, that, that chance of success, it was worth me looking like a little bit of a fool for a little bit, you know? It was worth it. And so as we continue, as we continue going uh, the, rest, with the rest of my time here today, I just want to give us, I want to just make this really, really practical and so the rest of my time, I'm just going to go for four practical tips as we engage in spirit-led evangelism, as we go f- forward from this place. And so the first, the first tip that we have, and sometimes when we, when we talk about testimonies of evangelism and when, even as I'm sharing different things, like with that car testimony that I gave, right? I drove by and I felt like God pointed out that car to me. God, sometimes you'll hear, if, if you hear testimonies, this idea of highlighted, like the Lord highlighted that car to me. And for a while, I was kind of confused. Like, what does that mean? You know, I'd hear that in testimonies and I'm like, does, is God like pulling out his Sharpie? Like, are you seeing like a neon yellow haze around this person? Or like, like what's going on? You know, like, do they have like a halo over their head? Or like, you know, like what's going on? What does that mean? And I, I really started to look in scripture because, man, I wanted, to, I wanted everything that I say and the way I share a testimony to be rooted in the scripture. And so I was asking the Lord, like, okay, Lord, what is highlighted? Like, what does that mean when somebody sticks out to me from the crowd? When you're highlighting somebody to me, what does that mean? And I felt like he led me to a lot, to like look at the, look at the life of Jesus and how he ministered to other people. And in Matthew 9, I just want to read some of these like miracles that Jesus did and what caused him to step out in those miracles. So this is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then Mark 1, verse 40 through 42, it says, Then a leper came to Jesus, begging on his knees, and he said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, be clean. Matthew 14, verse 13 through 14, says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there into a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw the great cloud, or great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And I feel like the Lord in that moment, as I read through these stories of Jesus, as I look at the life of Jesus, the, the, the highlighted can be described as having a heart of compassion for somebody. 
And so what does that mean, having a heart of compassion? It's like, man, when I'm walking down the road, when I'm walking on my college campus, when I'm walking in Meyer, when I'm walking day by day, I, I see somebody, and for some reason, I have an unusually, a usual amount of care for that person's spirit, soul, or body. When I, when I see somebody in this different avenue, I have an unusual amount of care. Like, I walk by so many needy people every single day, right? I do. But why, when I walk into this place and I see this person, am I moved with a heart of compassion? I care for them. I see somebody in a wheelchair and I have a deep passion. I'm like, man, I, I just want them to stand up out of that thing. Or I want them to be pain-free. I want, man, I hope that they, I, I don't want them to be given into depression or anything like that. And I have, I have a heart of compassion for even random strangers like, that are in and throughout my day. But the Lord also can ha- give us hearts of compassion for the people that are in our life already. As we pray, as we're spending time with Jesus, the Lord might quicken somebody to us. And he'll give us a heart of compassion. Man, I haven't heard about, I haven't thought about my Uncle Joe in nine years. Like, what, what, why is he coming up in my heart right now? Maybe it's because God's giving you a heart of compassion unto another step. And so when the, the second step kind of relates, so that was number one, moved with a heart of compassion. We want to be moved with a heart of compassion. And how do we know who to go to? We look for those people that the Lord is giving us that heart of compassion for. Number two is specifically related to like strange, what I call stranger evangelism. Like, I mean, I don't know this person, but I feel like God is giving me a heart of compassion for this random person. And the question that I had for a long time, and I kind of wrestled with this as well, was how do I initiate conversation with that person? How do I start? Like, how do I do it? And just some helpful tips that I've learned as I've just been going and as, as I've been meeting people and meeting and had amazing encounters with random people is there's kind of like three sub-steps to this one. So how do I initiate conversation? The key is to introduce yourself and explain why you're talking with this person. So if I'm walking in Meyer and I feel like God is highlighting somebody to me, I'll walk over to them and I'll say, hi, excuse me, my name is Jared, introduce myself, and then I'll explain why I'm talking to them. Because a lot of times strangers don't really like being talked to by random people. <laughs> That's just something I've learned. I tried for a while just to like try to make small talk with all these people, right? And they were just like, their just eyebrow got progressively higher on their forehead. They're like, who is this guy? Like, why are you talking to me? And then they oftentimes would like wheel away. And I was like, wait, wait, no. Oh, ah, dang it. You know? But um, so introduce yourself and then explain. So I'll say, hi, my name is Jared. And I am a believer in Jesus. And as I was shopping today, I feel like God pointed you out to me because he loves you so much. Do you mind if I pray for you? Or do you mind if I share with you what I feel like God's placed on my heart? And then, one, I introduce himself. I explain why I'm there. It really honors this person that I'm, I'm counting. It, it loves them by doing this. It loves them really well because it get, places the ball in their court. You're saying, man, I'm not, I'm not forcing anything on you right now, I'm, but this is an opportunity that's available for you if you want it. And do, would you be okay with me praying for you? And the amount of things that have happened in that vein has been awesome. And so introduce yourself. The third, third place is, the third thing is just to simply follow the Holy Spirit because there's no form, there's no form or model or formula to any of it, right? Just when we think we got it all figured out, then the Holy Spirit just throws a curveball in there, right? And so there's no form, there's no model to follow after. The only objective is to follow the Holy Spirit. So 
men, we were moved with hearts of compassion. We introduce ourselves, or we explain maybe to that friend or family member why we're, why we're calling them, why we're doing all of those different things. And then third, we follow the Holy Spirit in activation. And then the fourth thing is connection, building connection. And so when I talk with somebody, it's really, it's really helpful to stay in touch with them. And that connection piece could be, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Hey, I, I'm involved in this awesome community. We have a Bible study. We went this such and such a time. I would love if you came. Maybe you're connecting with, via like phone number. Maybe you're connecting via email, whatever it is. But giving this person an opportunity to, to be in more spaces where they could encounter the person in presence of Jesus. So those are our four steps, saying, man, I'm moved with the heart of compassion. I introduce and explain myself, and then I follow the Holy Spirit in activation, and then the fourth thing is I, I pursue deeper connection. And I believe that as we go from this place of being filled up with Jesus from intimacy with him, and as we follow his spirit into our world, I believe that we could be an answer to Jesus' prayers that he's been praying for thousands of years Jesus in Mark 30, or Matthew 9, he says he looks out on the crowd and they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up more workers to be sent out into harvest field. And we, like people of God, we have the opportunity to be an answer to Jesus' prayer that he's praying we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our everyday life. We have an opportunity to translate my finite life into eternal significance. We have an opportunity every single day as we go, no matter where it is, we have an opportunity to impact people for Jesus and his kingdom. And that is the opportunity that we have today. So would you bow your heads as we pray and as we close? Jesus, we love you. There is nobody like you, Jesus. Nobody. There's nobody who cares for his people as deeply as you care for your people. And Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person that's watching online. I pray for every single person that's in-house right now. In Jesus' name, I pray for a new level of your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us up with boldness, God. I just echo the prayer in Acts 4, Jesus, where the disciples all came together and they said, grant your servants that with all boldness we may preach your word. Look on their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that we may preach your word. So Jesus, I pray for supernatural boldness this week, Jesus. Supernatural boldness, Lord God, to take practical steps, Lord God, faith-filled steps, even if we're nervous, God, even if we don't know how it's going to turn out, Jesus, would we follow you and give you the step of faith, God? Would you give you the step of faith and make an opportunity for you to break into the lives of the people around us? Because, Lord, we, we are so thankful that we have a relationship with you. And, Lord, we pray that we would always stay in connection with you. Lord, that we would never lose the, our time with God by doing so many good things for you, Jesus. We pray that we would forever stay at your feet, God. That we would forever pursue deep relationship with you, God. Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, that you'd fill us up and give us power to be a witness. Lord, I love you and I praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs>